who will be baptized. This is a day they will remember for the rest of their lives. Many of you, I dare say, remember the day you were baptized and what it was like in the church and the clothes you were wearing and what the preacher looked like and, and all those who were in attendance. So you are helping create, with God's help, this memorable event, this act of obedience for these who will be baptized here today. Let's begin in prayer as a call to worship. Will you bow with me? Father, we thank you that in Jesus Christ, you came into the world to shine a light. And that light has drawn us to it. And he said that when we profess our faith in him, that he places that light within each of us. And we are called to go forth and be a shining light in the world. A world of darkness and sin and hatred. We thank you for these three who are going to be baptized this morning. And ask that as they are baptized with water, upon their profession of faith, that you will place your light within them and that it will shine in such a way that all will see the difference that Jesus is making and will want it in their lives as well. Be with us now in worship as we celebrate this sacred ordinance. Let all those who are watching who've never invited Jesus into their heart or been publicly baptized as an act of obedience. Be convicted this day of the need to trust you and follow you and obey you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. To enable you to get to know these who are going to be baptized today, we have videos of them and we put them together so you could get to know them as a group. Well, I accepted Jesus into my heart as my Lord and Savior. I just, I was thinking about it. I had been thinking about it for a while and just never could find the right time. And I just felt like I should do it. I was saved at Kempley because I wanted to be with God. At the end of the service, um, that I wanted to go forward and invite Jesus in my heart. Well, in sixth grade, they talked to us about it, and I wasn't sure, so I just did it, did it, to do it. Now I realize it's much more than that. Well, to me, it means that I'm a child of God and that I live by Him now, and I have a new life as a Christian. It was, we were singing songs, and it was the night where they asked anybody who wanted to be saved to raise their hand and I had already got saved and I was crying I was crying during one of the songs and Miss Donnellan took me out and let me walk with Miss Rachel and she told me she just asked me if I had already been saved and I said, yes, ma'am. And she said, well, the next step is to be baptized. And then she asked me if I wanted to be baptized. And I said, I said yes, ma'am. Because I've asked Jesus into my heart. I'm uh, so he can go to heaven. Our family's been going through some hard times. And we needed a savior. So I turned to Christ. 
Um, well, you get baptized to show that you're going to follow Jesus. Well, so we can live like Him and teach others about God so they'll know about Him. To um, show everybody that I have accepted Jesus into my heart. It symbolizes you believe in God and sets role models for others. I felt some changes and um, I feel like he's going to open some doors for me now just knowing that he's there and how great it feels. That Jesus Christ helped me and I want to praise him and keep him wherever I go. He's with me whenever I, wherever I am, whenever time. Let Jesus in your heart. He will save you. He will keep you safe no matter what. This is my sister in Christ, Grace Hall. Let me invite her family and friends and those who prayed for this decision to stand at this time. Grace, it's my privilege to give you the opportunity to stand before this congregation and ask you, do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? In obedience to the command of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and upon your profession of faith in Him, I baptize you, Kirsten Grace Hall, my sister, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Grace, you've been buried with Christ in death. Rise and walk a new life with Him. I don't usually get emotional, but knowing how much this means to these children and how precious they are in the sight of God uh, has just poured his blessings out upon me this morning. This is my sister, Audrey Reddick. Let me invite her family and friends gathered here to stand at this time. Those who prayed for her and taught her and nurtured her in her faith. Audrey, I have the privilege to stand before this congregation and give you the opportunity to testify to your faith by asking you, do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? I do. That in obedience to the commandments of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and upon your profession of faith in Him, I baptize you, Audrey, Rebecca, Reddick, my sister, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Audrey, you've been buried with Christ in death and are free now to walk a new life. This is my brother in Christ, Ethan Hyde. Let me invite his family and friends gathered at this time and those who've taught him to stand with us at this moment. <clears throat> Ethan, I have the privilege of asking you before this congregation, this family of faith, do you believe in Christ? Yes, I do. 
and obedience to the command of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and upon your profession of faith in him, I baptize you, Ethan Brantley Hyde, my brother, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Ethan, having been buried with Christ in death, you can rise now and walk a new life with him. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount that you don't light a lamp and put it under a bushel, but you put it on a lampstand for all the world to see. The message this morning is on light that Jesus brings and gives us. These three are going out into the community to be do light, and you and I have the opportunity to reflect that light that God has given us in him. Amen. And what can you say about that but amen? Amen. Amen. Our hymn this morning is number 77, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. Will you please stand as we sing? standing for the invocation. Let's pray together. Father, what a joy it is to gather in your house on this, the first Sunday of Advent, to begin the process of thinking about and preparing for our celebration of the birth of your Son, Jesus Christ. And Father, just to think about the fact that without that one single event in history, how different our lives and our world would be. 
God, as we think about that and as we prepare for that, help us to keep it in the front of our thoughts and our hearts in the coming weeks and to truly understand what it means to be a child of yours, to truly understand what price was paid for our salvation and to celebrate that this year as maybe we never have before. God, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to gather in your house today and to worship. And Father, we understand that this is our offering back to you. This is our offering of ourselves and our time and our worship. For you are worthy. You are the lo- alone are the only one worthy of our praise and our adoration and our worship. So as we do that today, Father, may we do that with clear consciences and truly in a spirit of humbleness and adoration. Speak to us this day, Father, in the way that you would want to. Bless Brother Wayne as he brings the message to us today. And may we be encouraged and strengthened in our walk with you. And may we be challenged to be the kind of people that you want us to be each and every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Be seated. This is the first Sunday of Advent. I would commend to you this Advent devotional booklet, which has been written and illust- written by our church members, illustrated by our children, and printed here in-house, available for distribution for you to pick up as you leave here today. The first devotion begins today, so you don't want to miss any of them. Take them home and read them daily with your family, and let them prepare you for Christmas. If you don't do something to prepare, Christmas will rush on by, and it'll be gone before you realize it. And... Um, you'll have missed the opportunity to worship God in this season of Christmas. Helping prepare us as a church family is the lighting of the Advent wreath, and I've invited Van and Vonda and Russ Finn to come and light the first candle for us. The theme this morning is Jesus, the light of the world. The sermon is entitled, The Light That Shines. And so you'll notice as Van and Vonda and Russ come to light the first candle, the light on the wreath, the circle, begins to take shape in each Sunday hereafter leading up to Christmas, which is on Sunday, December 25th, falls on Sunday this year. We will light an additional candle and the circle of light will be complete, reminding us that Jesus is without end, evergreen representing everlasting life, and of course the white candle in the center representing Jesus Christ himself. We will light on Christmas Eve as we celebrate the candlelight service. So thank you, Van and Vonda and Russ, and we'll watch that circle of light as it grows and prepares us for Christmas. Well, good morning again. It's good to see you this Sunday. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving, and uh, we're just glad to see you in worship today. We have a tradition here at First Baptist, for those of you who might be here for the first time, we are grateful that you are here and excited to have you in worship with us, and we like to say welcome, and we like to do that in a particular way, and that is in just a moment our members are going to stand, and we ask you to remain seated if you are a guest with us today. We do that for a couple of reasons.
Hi, I'm Wayne Whittle, disciple of Jesus Christ, member of First Baptist Church here in Tifton, Georgia. And we'd love to have you come join us this morning. I invite you, no, I encourage you to come be with us on Sunday morning. Brother, I'd submit to you that there are three components to our relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ, His Son. The first is worship. It says in the Bible that Jesus was a church gourd. you know that? In Luke chapter 4, verse 16, He says, He went to Nazareth where He had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day He went into the synagogue, as was His custom. If Jesus saw it fit to come to church, maybe we should too make it a matter of importance. The second component is discipleship. After all, it wasn't Jesus and the twelve dudes, it was Jesus and the twelve disciples. Remember the familiar verse, Matthew 28, 19, he said, Therefore go and make disciples. There's nothing like being in a small group discussion like Sunday school class where you're sharing with one another, praying for one another. There's one thing we all have in common, and that's challenges or problems. The third component is service. You know, the moment that you get saved, God equips you as a believer with spiritual gifts, all to provide ministry, to edify Him. So if you're missing either one of those, worship, discipleship, or service, I'd submit to you that you're not living up to that abundant life that Jesus promises. We'd love to have you come join us. Visit our website at fbctipton.org or give us a call. We've got someone standing by. If you need prayer or if you'd like more information, it's 382-6063. We hope to see you Sunday. we got a chair waiting on you. We're going to ask all of you now to stand as we sing this verse. seat. Happy club time. I'm so glad to be in happy club. I'm glad you're here because this is a happy time and Christmas is an especially happy time. Did y'all see what we did in the water behind me? What was that? Baptizing. Baptizing. That's right. We had baptism for those who had professed their faith in Jesus Christ and followed him in baptism. So that's an important decision. It's one they made by themselves not because anyone told them to or because they reached a certain age. It was because they had invited Jesus into their heart and wanted to be baptized to, to testify outwardly to what Jesus has done for them inwardly. So I just wanted to explain what we did and why we did it so you would understand. And, and maybe you have some questions you can talk to your parents about later. Miss McKenzie has the Happy Club bag. Let's see what she brought today. Let's see what it is. All right, I'm going to need some help. What is this, Mackenzie? A blanket. Is it a special blanket? Is it one you sleep with and hold and keep all the time? Do you have a name for it? Does it have a special name? Blanky. Blanky. That's a good name. How many of you have special blankets or, 
or special stuffed animals that you like to sleep with every night. Why do you do that? Because why, why is this blanket special? Because you want it. That's right. She loves this blanket, and it's been with her probably since she was a baby. And this, this brings her comfort. And I've seen Mackenzie carrying this thing around. And, and maybe some of you adults have something like that that you carry around too when you're scared, but nobody knows about it. But, but what this reminds me, Mackenzie, is this blanket is with you, and it brings you comfort and strength, and it makes you feel safe. And I know you hang on to it tightly. And boys and girls, as you grow up, I want you to know that that's what, exactly what Jesus is for us. You, can't, you don't see him, but you can feel him. And just like Blankie brings Mackenzie comfort and assurance and keeps her from being scared, Jesus has promised to be with us all the time. And he promises that he will comfort us and strengthen us and help us through all the, the troubles and difficulties and challenges. Have y'all ever had a hard day? Never had a hard day. Well, one day you probably will. One day as you grow up, things might not go your way and you'll be upset. And Jesus has promised to be with you just as Blankie is with Mackenzie. And he's promised that all along the way, he'll comfort you and strengthen you and help you. And I'll tell you, even as adults, we need that assurance. And you have that in Jesus forever. So let's pray and thank Jesus for being with us. Dear Jesus, thank you for being our comfort and our strength and our help forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Mackenzie, for sharing Blanky because I've, I've seen Blanky and I know how, how precious that blanket is to you. Miss Sabine, it's a boy's turn, isn't it? Ethan just got baptized. Ethan, will you take this bag home and bring back something special? Is this a fifth Sunday, Miss Sabina? No, it's not. It's not a fourth. Okay, fourth Sunday. So you have the opportunity to go and be with Miss Sabina in children's worship today. Thank you, boys and girls.
Did you hear all the names of Christ that she mentioned? Redeemer, Savior, King, Counselor, Comforter. You know, Jesus has many names. And in Isaiah 7.14, we find a name for Jesus Christ that was prophesied hundreds of years before his birth. The scripture from Isaiah 7.14 says, The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. He came to be with us. He came to be like us. He came to die for us and to be our redemption. Will you stand together as we sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel. Shall we pray? 
Father, as we gather here to worship, we thank you for the privilege of knowing that you're with us and participating with us and receiving what we do as a sacrifice, hopefully pleasing in your sight. We pray also that this offering we return to thee would be but a symbol of the ownership you have over all things. And you've entrusted us to be your stewards. So help us be found faithful in how we spend those resources entrusted to us. Take what's given and let the light of Jesus be sent forth around the world so that all may have the opportunity to hear the good news of the gospel and respond to it. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. Be seated.
what a phenomenal chorale Messiah is. And it will be presented next Sunday afternoon with the ABAC Chamber Singers and First Methodist Church. I heard them rehearsing this past week, and there were about 110 up here. And let me tell you, it was glorious. And if you can come next Sunday at 3 or Sunday evening at 7, there'll be two presentations of the Christmas portion of Messiah. It's going to be wonderful. And the glory of the Lord will shine forth. We're in a series of sermons through the Bible. And happily, we've come to the book of Isaiah for the first Sunday in Advent. I don't know what I'm going to do when I get to Lamentations, but Isaiah I'm good with. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, talks about the light. And then when we get down to verses 6 and 7, see if we don't hear something familiar. Isaiah 9, 2 says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shined. Thou hast multiplied the nation, thou hast increased its joy. They rejoice before thee as with joy at the harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, thou hast broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. Now listen to this. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Does that sound familiar? That's part of Messiah. That's the text for Messiah you'll be hearing next Sunday afternoon as well. Shall we pray? Father, it was a dark world when Jesus was born a little over 2,000 years ago. And he came as a light to bring hope, to bring encouragement to assure us that you are with us and that light would overcome darkness no matter how hard darkness might try to put it out. It could not. And that light still shines 2,000 years later, not only with Jesus in our world, but in the heart of every believer. So help us live and shine that light that all the world might know and see. That Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. In his name we pray. Amen. Several years ago, there was a house near where we once lived. And they kept their Christmas lights burning long into January and February and March. And so unlike me, I became critical and said something like, You know, if, if I were too lazy to take my Christmas lights down, at least I wouldn't turn them on every night. But about the end of March, a sign appeared outside their house explaining why they left their lights on. It said simply, Welcome home, Johnny. And apparently their son John had been in Operation Desert Storm and they left their lights on in anticipation of his return. 
We do that, don't we? When a son or daughter is off somewhere serving in the military, parents will leave a candle burning in the window. Why is that? Isn't that little flicker of light a beacon of of hope and remembrance? And when Jesus came to earth, God left a light burning in the window of heaven as a symbol of hope. And that, that light was a star and it guided the wise men from the east to Bethlehem. If there's one truth that leaps off the pages of Scripture from start to finish, it is this. It is that Jesus came to be the light of the world. Lights are symbols of hope. A person lost in a cave turns a corner and all of a sudden there's a a ray of sunlight streaming through a crack and there's hope. A person floating on a a life raft in in the middle of the ocean at night is excited when he's able to say, I can see the the lights of a ship on the horizon coming to rescue us. People in darkness are thrilled when they see any light. I was talking to someone who had been stationed at a military base in Alaska, and they told me they have diagnosed a depression syndrome that people develop from living in the winter there where there is six months of darkness. Light is necessary for good health. It's real. It's, it's a symbol of hope. John 12, 46, Jesus said, I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should remain in darkness. And the world in which we live is engulfed in darkness. And people are groping to find some way out. But Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Listen to that. Jesus didn't say... I point to the light, or I remind you of the light, or I'm an indication of the light. He said what? I am the light. The prophet, 700 years earlier, Isaiah, described the coming of the promised Messiah. He said in verse 2, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shined. Isaiah, think about that, was prophesying that 700 years before the birth of the Messiah. There are four qualities of light that reflect the hope of Jesus Christ that he still makes for our lives today. And I I have them in uh, your outline and your worship bulletin this morning, and I want us to take a look at them. The first thing that light does is it attracts attention. If someone takes your picture with a flash camera. You notice it, don't you? Wherever that flash is going off, your head automatically turns. Or if a spotlight from a balcony is focused on stage, your eyes are immediately drawn to that one in the spotlight. It's amazing how light can direct your focus and your attention. Isaiah 9-2 says, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, of deep darkness, on them has light shined. Jesus' birth attracted more attention than you might think. Born to peasant parents, far from home and family, in the middle of the night, in a small town called Bethlehem, in a stable. Long before printing presses and multimedia presentations were invented, who in the world was going to notice such such an innocuous birth? But God saw that Jesus attracted attention even at his birth. God sent a heavenly chorus of angels 
to inform shepherds who were tending their sheep. And the shepherds came and saw what had been told them, and they went spreading the word concerning all they had seen and heard. And from the moment he was born, Jesus has been like a searchlight, searching the heavens, attracting attention wherever he goes, and he still draws attention today. A spotlight was focused on him by the star when he was born, and from that time, a searchlight scanning the heavens, attracting folks to Jesus today. People may be turned off by organized religion. They might be repulsed by hypocritical Christians, but let me tell you one thing. There's something about Jesus that still draws attention. He is irresistible. It is like moths to a a candlelight. We cannot... We cannot turn away from him. And it's our task as Christians to reflect that light in our lives. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. It's what I said at the conclusion of baptism. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do men light a lamp and put it under a bushel, but on a lampstand for all the world to see. And if we exalt Jesus in our lives and in our church, then people will be drawn to him. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men into myself. If we try to stay in the spotlight, the world senses it's an ego trip and they're repulsed. But if we can say like John the Baptist, that he was not the light, but he came to bear witness to the light, then we like John the Baptist can bear witness to the light who is Jesus because light attracts attention. Second thing light does is guide us to our destination. I noticed in our traveling this past week an airport, and it had white lights and red lights and blue lights, and I don't know which those lights represent, but but hopefully most pilots do. And they can land on that airstrip in foggy conditions because there are lights to guide their way. A lighthouse on on a shore steers ships away from danger. If you're driving on a strange highway, as I was this past week, and it was dark and rainy, it's hard to see the lanes, but they put these reflectors on the lanes now, and they guide drivers through wet conditions. They guide us through darkness, and that's what Jesus came to be. He came to guide us, to be a light, to show us the way. When he was born in Bethlehem, a special light appeared in the east, and it attracted some astrologers, and it it told them in their study of literature that a king had been born, and it guided them to their final destination and showed him to them. And he has been guiding us ever since. When you face a major decision in your life, you don't have to make that decision alone. He will guide you. God will put just the right person just the right scripture, just the right circumstances in your path to guide you to the center of his will. I remember reading Experiencing God with Henry Blackaby, and so many people were asking, God, reveal to me your will. Show me what you want me to do, and I will do it. And over and over again, the point of that lesson was, God doesn't reveal to you his will. He reveals to you himself. And in that relationship, his will became, becomes manifest. So don't seek God's will, just seek Him. Just seek that relationship, and He will guide you. In John 8, 12, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. 
Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So if you're walking in darkness right now, and you are confused, and you are uncertain, and there, is, there are problems all around you, and you don't know which way to turn, you turn to the light that is Jesus Christ. And he will show you what he wants you to do, and where he wants you to go, and what he needs you to say. Because he will guide you to your destination. The third thing that light does is it dispels darkness. Light is always more powerful than darkness. That always amazes me when we do our Christmas Eve candlelight service. This this cavernous sanctuary can be pitch black. And we will light one candle on the Advent wreath. And folks on the back row can see each other. One candle can light this this whole darkness. If you go into Mammoth Cave, I did that as a, on a choir tour as a youth, and, and they turn the lights out, and it's so dark you can't see your hand in front of your face. Pitch black, but all you have to do is light a single match, and that darkness cannot smother out the light. As a matter of fact, light smothers out darkness. Jesus came into a, a world when it was especially dark, spiritually dark. There are places like that in our world today. I'm told by missionaries, if you go to Iran or if you go to, to a war, someplace in the Middle East, to Lebanon or Iraq, you can feel the oppression of darkness literally surrounding you. It was that kind of world when Jesus was born. King Herod was on the throne and he heard that another king had been born and he was threatened by that. And when he realized he had been outwitted by the wise men who went home a separate way, he had all the male children two years of age and younger killed in Bethlehem, and it says in the surrounding region. The Bible says there was great weeping and mourning in Ramah. And I looked up a map. Ramah was about 15 miles from Bethlehem. So you draw at least a 15-mile radius around Bethlehem, and all the male children kill two years of age and older. It's called the history, the slaughter of the innocents. But that's the kind of world that Jesus was born in. That's the kind of dominion that King Herod had over the Jewish people. His slaughter was widespread. It was a dark hour, but the light of Jesus came and it began to flicker and it has continued to shine. And when Herod, the king of darkness, died, Jesus, the tiny infant of light, continued to shine because light is more powerful than darkness every time. Light dispels darkness. The fourth and final thing I want you to see about light is that it conquers death. Jesus was crucified on Friday, and the Bible tells us that darkness fell upon the face of the earth from the sixth hour to the ninth, which would be from 12 noon to 3 p.m. Darkness fell upon the face of the earth and his body was taken down from the cross and sealed in a dark tomb. And they washed their hands and thought that was that. But on the first day of the week before sunrise, the dazzling light of God's power descended upon that tomb and it was more powerful than the darkness of death. And Jesus came forth from that tomb and he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. 
And that light that emanated from that empty tomb has continued to shine in our world today. James Dobson tells the story of a woman named Stella Thornhope who was struggling with her first Christmas following the death of her husband to cancer. She felt so alone and so sad she decided not to decorate for Christmas. Late one afternoon, though, a doorbell rang and she went to the door and there stood a delivery boy with a box. And inside the box, something was moving and she opened up the box and took out a puppy a golden Labrador retriever. And the delivery boy handed the puppy to Stella and it just began to wiggle in her arms in happiness. And Stella said, where did this come from? And the boy handed her an envelope and told her it would explain everything. It was a note from her husband. He had bought the puppy in July before the puppy was born. And the note written three weeks before his death was delivered to the kennel owner's and was to accompany his last Christmas gift to his wife. It was a note of encouragement and hope. And he said this puppy was to keep her company while he was gone. Stella wiped away the tears and felt the amazing sense of peace washing over her. And in her heart felt joy and wonder greater than grief and loneliness. And she took the puppy that was still wiggling in her arms and wagging his tail, and she said, Fella, I guess it's just you and I now. You know what? There's a box down in the basement I think you'd like. It's got a little Christmas tree in it and some decorations and some lights that are really going to impress you. And there's a manger scene down there, too. What, what do you say you and I go down there and let's get it? And so Stella and her new puppy began getting ready for Christmas. And what, I, what I'm trying to say by that is that puppies don't remind us of life. But that God always finds a way to send us some reminder, some signal that life is stronger than death. And that light is greater than darkness. And that God is stronger than Satan and that good will overcome evil. It always has and it always will because Jesus Christ, the light of the world, is still shining in our world today. A painter was painting a bleak picture of a winter scene. It depicted a storm sweeping across the countryside. And over in the corner was a cabin, but it looked dead and hopeless. And with one small stroke, that painter dipped his brush into a bit of gold paint and touched one window of the cabin. And the golden light from the glow of that cabin transformed that entire picture from one of coldness and darkness to warmth and light. It was almost like the cabin were issuing an invitation to come in. The artist was Thomas Kincaid. And all of you know him as the painter of light. And what's kind of fun for me is that everywhere in Kincaid's picture, he will have some light somewhere, no matter how bleak the landscape, there will be a touch of gold in a window, in a lamppost, somewhere. You can always find it. And there's also, in almost every picture, a symbol of Jesus. Those two things he incorporates into every painting, light and his faith in Christ. Jesus said, I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me 
should stay in darkness. And when we invite Jesus into our heart to be our Lord and Savior, the one who entered into time and space as a little babe in Bethlehem comes back into our lives and he turns the light on like turning on a switch and life begins for us again. Not physically, but spiritually. So we need to allow the light of the world into our lives so that we can become a beacon, a reflector of that light to all those around us this Christmas because there are places in our world that are still dark and that still need to know that there's a light that brings hope and encouragement and life. I hope that light is living in you. If not, you can invite him in today as we sing our invitational hymn. Shall you bow with me? Father, as we gather now to sing, we praise you that Jesus came into our world 2,000 years ago when evil kings were slaughtering innocent people. And we don't have to go far in our world today to see that same thing still happening. There is evil run amok. And Jesus is bringing the light. Help us be bearers of that light into a world that needs to know there is hope and help and life. If there's anyone here this morning that does not have that life dwelling in them, Father, enter in and be their Lord and Savior. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Our hymn of decision is...